Hey, well, good morning. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at River City. It is good to be with you this morning. Uh, thankful to get to worship God with you uh, together online again this morning and, and looking forward to opening God's word together with you. Um, we are in the middle of a series walking through what are known as Jesus's I am statements in the Gospel of John. And we began our study a few weeks ago in John chapter 8 and saw how in each of these I am statements, what Jesus is, is emphatically doing is claiming, first of all, that he he is God, that, that he is the great I am, the same God that revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush and, and who commissioned uh, Moses to rescue his people from slavery in Egypt, that Jesus was that God and he had now come in person to, to rescue people from the greater slavery of, that they had, not to Egypt, but to, 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 to sin and to death. But as we've seen in examining the first few of these seven uh, metaphorical I am statements, that Jesus isn't only claiming that he's God in these statements. And instead, what he's, what he's also doing is, is he's revealing something very specific about the kind of God he is, about the kind of rescue that he has come to bring, about the kind of freedom that he has to offer. And in John 6, we saw how Jesus, the great I am, claimed uh, to be the bread of life, who, who not only completely and eternally satisfies the, the deep longings and hungers in our hearts, in our soul, but who also sets us free from the slavery to, to desires that never fulfill and, and never give life like they promised to, but instead endlessly just leave us hungry and thirsty and Last week in John 8, we saw how Jesus, the great I am, claims to be the light of the world, who not only sees the truth and knows the truth, but who is himself the truth, and, and who graciously comes near to us to open our eyes so that we might see and follow him the truth. And for the next two weeks, we're going to be in John chapter 10, taking a look at the next two I am statements that we see in the gospel of John. Um, they are simply this. Jesus claims that he says, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. These are two uh, intrinsically connected yet distinct claims that Jesus makes about himself and, and his relationship with his people. But to really understand the, the point that Jesus is making here in these two I am statements, it's, it's really important to understand the context in which Jesus is making them. See, in John chapter 9, just before our passage this morning, Jesus has just healed a man who has been blind since birth. And as you can imagine, something like that would would cause quite a commotion in a, in a town. And, and this guy's friends and his neighbors, they're all like, is that the guy that was born blind? I don't know. Maybe uh, the verses tell us that they kind of, they're doubtful. They say, nah, it can't be. It must be somebody, somebody else that looks like him. Which, which is just pretty funny because the verses just, the, the passage just tells us the guy's literally right there. He, he can hear them. And then he's saying, yeah, yeah, guys, it, it, it's me. I'm the same guy. It's not somebody different. I'm, I just imagine this guy just being like, hello, everybody, it is me. I didn't go on extreme fashion makeover. I, I didn't shave my beard or something. It's, I'm, I didn't, I don't look different. It's me. I'm the same guy. This guy's telling everybody that he can, that he was blind, but now he can see. But more than that, he's, he's proclaiming that Jesus is the one who has done that. Jesus is the one who healed him. And so the religious leaders hear about this and, and they bring this guy in to find out more about what's going on. And they're just grilling this guy in chapter nine there. You know, what happened and when and how and why and all this kind of stuff. And, but, but it's not an excited kind of curiosity. Uh, they're, they're not really trying to find out the whole story. 
they've already made up their minds about what they think happened and they've already in their hearts uh, the passage tells us that they refuse to believe that Jesus is the Messiah that he is God and so instead of believing this guy, they, they call his parents in and, they, and they're afraid of the religious leaders. So they testify that their son indeed was born blind, but, but they say they don't know how it happened and they should just ask the guy. They should just ask their son about it. They, they don't want to get into it. And so they haul this, the religious leaders, they haul this guy back in again for questioning. And, and the guy is just like, I already told you guys what happened. Jesus healed me. I, I, the story hasn't changed. He's the same thing happened. The same person is the one who did it. But instead of believing this guy and rejoicing with him that he has been healed, these religious leaders instead, they, they just start insulting him and then they throw him out. They, they Basically, it's kind of like they're excommunicating him from the faith family. And so Jesus hears about this and he comes to talk to these religious leaders who, who had not only refused to believe this man had been healed, but, but would have basically just harassed him and his family. And so that's where we pick up the story here this morning in John chapter 10. And uh, the passage begins, we're going to just read uh, the first, uh, first 10 verses of John 10 this morning. It begins this way. Jesus, again, speaking to these religious leaders, he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. And when Jesus said, whenever he says very truly, that's him. That's, that's like, if you had a teacher growing up, that's like the, hey, uh, write this down. Like, this is going to be on the test. Like, this like, really important. Make sure you're paying attention. And so Jesus, again, he tells these Pharisees, he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. And the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Uh, therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God, we just come before you this morning and we're grateful for your word. And we just humbly ask that you'd be gracious by your spirit to help us to understand your word rightly and to respond to it rightly. God, we just, we are just dependent on you for all of that. And so we ask that you'd be gracious to help us to see you more clearly, help us to see who you are and, and what that means for our lives. And, and God, we just, we just need you to keep revealing yourself to us. And so we ask that you would God for our good, ultimately for your glory. We pray all that. Amen. Amen. Well, so in our brief time this morning, uh, I just I want to break down what Jesus is claiming when when he says, I am the gate. And then I just want to highlight a few implications in light of that claim, a few few implications for our for our lives in light of that claim. And so, again, the first thing. So what is Jesus trying to say when he claimed to be the gate for the sheep? Well, to a first century Jewish person, the imagery of shepherds and sheep and sheep pens and gates, that would have all been really common everyday stuff. 
But even though uh, we're in Iowa, uh, sheep aren't exactly running around, all willy-nilly around here. And uh, so Jesus' words can be a little confusing or a little unclear to us, and we need a little bit of help. And, and so for, for if you know anything about sheep, it, it's probably that sheep are dumb. And that is, that is true. But that's not the main thing that the imagery of sheep is meant to communicate to us. And if that's the only thing we know, we're going to miss the, the bigger picture. And the bigger picture uh, is that when it comes to sheep, is that, is, is that they, they are utterly, they're like an utterly helpless animal that is prone to wander and to get lost and to get into danger. Uh, my wife, uh, she is helpless without the GPS on her phone. Uh, I mean, without that thing, she'd get lost in like three turns outside of our neighborhood. And, and so, so it is critical that she has that. But, but sheep are even worse at getting lost. They've got like this incredible ability to wander off and get lost. It's like a superpower. They'll just follow each other around, lose their direction, and just blissfully ignorant, wandering, wandering aimlessly anywhere, totally clueless of where they're at. But, but not only are sheep good at getting lost and wandering off, they are incredibly helpless. They're, they're not smart, they're not fast, uh, they're, they're not, uh, they don't have any real defense mechanisms unless you count like if they were standing in a field of cotton balls and then kinda, maybe. Uh, they, they just, they don't got much going for them. They're, they're the opposite of an apex predator, they're like apex prey, right? They're, they're the easy pickings that everybody wants to eat. And so when they get lost, they are in even more danger than they normally are, which is why taking care of sheep is pretty much a 24-7 job for a shepherd. And so to get some sleep at night, shepherds would build sheep pens or kind of be enclosures often surrounded by walls of rocks with kind of thorny branches on top. Oftentimes that would, the goal is to, to keep the sheep in and to keep the predators or the thieves out. And there would be one small opening in the wall that allowed the sheep to enter every night and leave again in the morning to, to go out to pasture. And, and in that small opening would be a gate, guarding that one entrance to a place of safety and security and, and rest. But even more than that, for, for many shepherds, the sheep pen was attached to their home. And, and so to walk through the gate of the sheep pen was literally to, to go home, to, to walk home. And so when Jesus in verses 7 and 9 says that I am the gate for the sheep and whoever enters through me will be saved, he's, he's drawing on unmistakable imagery in order to communicate in terms that everyone could understand. And what he's saying is this, that there is only one way into the safety of God's sheep pen. There is only one way into the fold of God. There is only one way you come home to God and it is through him, the gate. See, remember too that Jesus, he's saying these things to, the, to these religious leaders who have just insulted this blind man, thrown him out, kind of excommunicated him, which is, ba and, and, and they, see, they thought and acted like they were the gate, like they were the gate that guarded the family of God, that, that decided who was in and who was out. But Jesus says, oh no, 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 no. The, these religious leaders aren't the gate that guards the entrance into the family of God, the fold of God. I am. And not only are they not his sheep, these religious leaders, they're just like thieves and robbers. That, and that's evidenced by the fact that instead of caring for God's sheep, they, they just insult them and abuse them. You see, but in contrast, Jesus is the gate which leads to a place of safety and security and, a, and rest and abundant life. 
You see, and that leads us to a few of the implications that stem from Jesus' words here. And the first is simply this. Uh, coming home to God through Jesus the gate, it gives us an eternal safety and security. See, the whole point of a gate and of a sheep pen in general is to keep sheep safe from harm and safe from abduction. Later on in verses 20 and 29, Jesus says that he gives eternal life to his sheep and that they shall never perish. Not, no one will snatch them out of his hand. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And I and the father are one. You see, Jesus here as the gate, he's, he's saying that, that, that his sheep, that he has led into a pasture of real life, that they're safe and they're secure with him because he is the gate of protection from anything that would try to steal or kill or destroy. You see, and nothing can overcome him. See, notice he doesn't say the sheep are safe and secure because of anything they've done but because of who he is and of, because of what he's done. See, the good news of the gospel is that, that your salvation is not based on who you are and what you've done. It's based on your faith in who Jesus is and what he has done on your behalf. You see, you're not safe with him because you're no longer prone to wandering off and getting into danger. You're safe because he is the gate that keeps you safe. He's the one that guards you. You see, what this imagery is, is, it's even more striking is when you realize that sometimes the sheep pens would, would, wouldn't have a physical gate or sometimes the sheep were out grazing far from home and, and so the shepherd would use a cave as a sheep pen at night. And in those cases, the shepherd would lay himself across the opening of the, of the gate and become the gate himself. In essence, the shepherd is saying, whatever is coming for these sheep is going to have to get through me first. You see... You see, the gospel is good news because Jesus is, is the one who is the gate. He is the one who protects us. He is the one who keeps us safe. He is the one who is the gate for us. Not only the one who is the way into right, the, the way to entrance into right relationship with God and into his family, into his fold, but the one who protects us and who keeps us safe, who guards our relationship with him. You see, that's the truth that empowers us to walk with Jesus every day. And so the first implication of trusting Jesus as the gate is, is the good news of an eternal type of safety and security found through him. But, but Jesus' claim to be the gate of the sheep, it, it isn't just about him being the way to safety and security that comes from being under God's care. It, it's also about him being the way to a true, abundant life. Verses 9 and 10, they go on, they say, They will come in and out, Jesus says, and they'll find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they would have life. And have it to the full. You see, a gate, it, it creates boundaries. A gate creates boundaries. But, but what we see is that Jesus is saying here is that, is that the gate, the boundaries that he sets aren't about keeping his sheep captive. They're about setting them free. One commentator writes it this way. He says, Jesus calls his followers not to a dull, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential, but to a rich, full, joyful life, one overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God and in continual fellowship with his people. You see, and Jesus is saying in, the, in our passage this morning, as the gate that he is the one way to that kind of an abundant life. Often it's easy to look at, at God and, and what he calls us to as his people and to think that, that, that it minimizes our joy, it minimizes our freedoms. But the reality is, is that Jesus says the boundaries that he sets up as the gate are about 
leading us into a place of full, abundant, safe, secure, uh, joyful kind of life. And that leads us to, uh, to the last implication of Jesus' claim to be the gate. You see, if we're going to trust, trusting Jesus as the gate requires a decision. Trusting Jesus to be the gate and to walk through that gate, it requires a decision. You see, there are many gates and many doors that are presented to us and that promise if we walk through them that we'll have the abundant life that we're looking for. But in Jesus' words this morning, we see that there's really only two gates. There's really only two doors. There's a, there's a gate that leads to life and there's a gate that leads to death. And, and the question this morning is, which gate will you choose to walk through? Will it be Jesus or will it be another false gate? We see in the story of the blind man who, who Jesus healed in chapter 9, we, we see that there's only one way to walk through the true gate, and it's through a humble faith in Jesus. But, but in that story, we also see a few examples of what keeps people from walking through that gate. For the blind man's friends and neighbors, it, it was just, it was doubt. This can't be the same guy they thought. He couldn't really have been healed. For them, it was easier to doubt than it was to believe that Jesus was who he was, that he might be the Messiah, that he might be able to actually heal. And so trusting Jesus, I just need to be clear about this, trusting Jesus as the gate doesn't mean that you never have any spiritual doubts, that you never have this unshakable confidence. You see, the disciples, they literally saw Jesus raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. And at the end of Matthew, it still says that some of them doubted. You see, so trusting Jesus, the gate, and walking through that gate isn't about having this unquestioning faith. In other words, coming to Jesus as the gate isn't about the quality of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. You see, is he the gate that leads to life or not? Do you believe that he's the gate that leads to life and to right relationship with God or not? And if he is, you have to walk through it in faith. I remember in college, there was a friend of mine that I was, had, the, had the opportunity to have lots of spiritual conversations with. I was praying for and, and praying that he would trust Jesus. And I remember, remember for him, he just he felt like he needed to have every possible answer to every question he might have before he could, he could trust Jesus and, and walk through him as the gate. And, and I just remember talking to my friend and I just remember saying, you know, you know, like there will always be more questions that you have. And Jesus doesn't invite us, doesn't call us to have no questions before we walk through him as a gate, but, but he calls us, he invites us to trust him as the, as the one gate to walk through to find the answers that lead to life. And so maybe some of you are there this morning and, and you just feel like you just don't know all you need to know to trust him as the gate. And I just want to encourage you. Jesus claims to be the one way to life. And the only way to experience that truth is to walk in faith into it. So for some, it's doubt that keeps them from walking, coming to Jesus as the gate. But, but for the blind man's parents, we see another example of that for them, it was a fear of what other people would think about them. It's a fear of man. Even though they know that Jesus had healed their son, they won't admit it. They won't testify to it. Why? Verse, verse 22 of chapter 9 says it this way. It says, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. You see, they were afraid of people. They were afraid of what people would think about them. They were afraid of how that might impact their life. They were afraid of, see, they looked to, for safety and security in what other people thought of them. But the truth is, as Proverbs 29, 25 says, that fear of man will prove to be a trap and a snare. Instead, whoever trusts in the Lord is the one who is kept safe. 
You see, only Jesus can guarantee our a true, real, eternal kind of safety. People can never do that for us. And so don't let the fear of man keep you from walking through the gate that leads to true safety in God. And so for some, uh, it's doubt. For some, it's a fear of man. But for others, we see a, we see a third example in chapter 9 in the story of this blind man who is healed. A third example of what keeps people from trusting in Jesus as the gate. Um, and for the Pharisees, it was simply their prideful self-sufficiency. You see, they were disciples of Moses. They didn't need Jesus, they thought. They, they didn't need his forgiveness. They didn't need his saving. They didn't need his, his security. But the truth is that they were like foolish sheep who didn't even know they were lost and in danger. You see, the same can be true for us sometimes. We don't want to admit that we're helpless. We don't want to admit that we need saving. We don't want to admit our dependence on Jesus, the good shepherd, and the true gate. And so instead of admitting our need, we stand in ignorant defiance, rejecting our need for saving in the first place or, or relying on our own resume, our own efforts to save ourselves. And, and Jesus this morning comes to us graciously and his claim, he says, I am the gate. Not only do you need the safety and security of a relationship with God, you can't get into that relationship any other way. Jesus says, I'm the gate. I'm the one way into that relationship, the one relationship you need the most. And so the question this morning is this, which gate have you chosen to walk through this morning? What, or which gate is in front of you this morning, inviting you to walk through it, to find life? It's been my prayer this week that God would enable us to, to trust him to be the gate that grants us entry into the fold of God. And that, that in living as sheep under the safety and security and protection of Jesus, the true gate, that we would not only enjoy the abundant life that he has for us, that the abundant life that comes from the safety and security and peace and rest that only he can give us, but that in living that way and, and experiencing that goodness, that we'd be able to call others to follow us to walk through the gate. The one gate that leads to life, Jesus, the I am, the true gate. And so to that end, let's pray. Jesus, we, we come before you this morning and we just want to humbly say, Jesus, we are thankful that you are the true gate who, who, who shows us the way home, who is the way home to right relationship with God and into a place of safety and security and rest and peace. And, and we just want to humbly say, Jesus, we, we need you to be that for us. And so, God, we ask that you'd help us to trust you as the gate and to walk through you as the gate. Help us to see the false gates, the, the other paths that, that won't lead to life and that can't grant us the safety and security that we are looking for. And Jesus, help us to trust you and see you as the one true gate who leads to life and relationship with God, who, who offers us a safety and security that, that only God can give. And so, Jesus, we need you. We need you to help us to see you and to trust you as the gate so that we might live an abundant life you, you have offered to us and call others to it with you. And so God, for our good and for your great glory, we pray that you would help us to do that. Amen.